Have you ever thought a period of your life was pointless? Have you ever been stuck in a situation that you didn't create, trying to figure out how in the world you got there? How in the world you can get out? In fact, have you ever gone through something, you just looked at God and said, God, how in the world is this ever gonna help me? How is this ever gonna be valuable? What in the world are you doing? This happened to me. I deployed in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom from um, 2007 to 2008. And you may remember that during that time, something crashed. Remember the economy? Yeah, and I was an electrician at the time. So I was an electrician serving the Army National Guard, got our orders to deploy in 2007, and work was great. Plenty of things were being built. Always had plenty to do. When I came back in 2008, there were no jobs. Everything washed up, and I didn't even know what was going on. I was kind of busy somewhere else. And so everything changed when I got back. And that's another story in itself, but I remember getting a call from my old boss. I worked at a car wash when I was in high school. I remember getting a call from him. He said, hey, I need a general manager. Would you be interested? I was barely getting 30 hours at work. He didn't know that. And he offered me a salary position, making more than I could have made at 50 hours a week being an electrician. He said, would you be interested? We're losing sales. Everything's in trouble. I said, well, absolutely. Salary sounds a whole lot better. You know, I didn't share that with him. I was like, well, of course. So I took the job. But here's the thing about that job. I hated it. You see, I was finishing up my undergraduate work. I went to school a little bit later. I knew that the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. And I was in business. And I thought, and I was there for over five and a half years. And I thought, this is such a waste of time. I said, I'm going to be a pastor. How can any of this stuff ever help me when I'm a pastor? I mean, what is handling disgruntled uh, customers, learning how to deal with mad people? How's that ever going to help me in a church? (laughs) I mean, everybody in church is nice. You never deal with disgruntled people. What can I learn by leading over 30 employees? I mean, how is, how is learning about budgets and marketing and fixed cost, how is that ever going to help me being a pastor? I mean, they don't ever deal with things like that. Why is the Lord going to help me in, in, in teaching me how to manage a business that lost 50% of its sales? I mean, why do I need to learn turnaround principles? I mean, churches never get in trouble, do they? Why would any of this or how is any of this ever going to help me? You see, I thought the whole time I was looking for jobs, the whole time I was like, God, this is pointless. The whole time I said, God, what I'm supposed to do is be a ministry. You you know, some of the the older models, they said, here, Brian, here's what you do. You got to start off as a part-time youth pastor. And then when you're a part-time youth pastor, even a free youth pastor, you become part-time youth pastor. And then you work your way up to full-time youth pastor. And then after you're full-time youth pastor, then you... And so I thought, man, I'm not doing anything right. Like I'm never, God, what are you doing? Don't you know how you're supposed to do this stuff? And of course, hindsight's always 2020. I learned more when I was a general manager of a business for five and a half years than I could have ever learned just being at a church. You see, it turns out I didn't know what being a pastor really meant. It turns out I didn't know the skills and, and things I was gonna need when God called me to be a pastor. And it turned out I needed to learn a whole lot more than I thought I did. 
You've probably faced those times too where you've went through something and hindsight's always 2020 where you came out on the other side going, okay, I see how that makes sense. I see what God was doing there. Or maybe you're currently facing a situation where you're going, hey, look, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what God's doing, but this is just too much. It's just foggy. Come on, God, where are you? You see, when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see. You see, we might not be able to control our circumstances, but we can control how we act. And so the bottom line this morning, what we're going to learn about today is very simple. You already know, but it's a good reminder. You can't always control your circumstances, but you can control your character. And in that character, God is doing something, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of hardships. You see, in chapter three of the story, we learned about this character named what? Joseph, half of you right. The other half, it's chapter three. Go back and read it tonight, okay? We learned about Joseph. And I'm sure he asked all the same questions you've asked or all the same things you've wondered. But we can learn a lot from his story. And it may not be the answers that you want, but it's the answers you need. You see, Joseph, Joseph was the great-grandson of, some of you are trying to do the math, Abraham. We remember Abraham, right? Okay, so he's the great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac. All right, you're there. Isaac had two sons. Their names were Jacob and Esau. What's Jacob's name turned to? Israel. Look at Oh, we got some accent going on. Okay, and then we have um, Jacob had a bunch of sons, and one of their names was Jacob, right? And Jacob, Jacob was clearly, excuse me, Joseph. I was seeing if you were paying attention, seeing if you caught that. It was Joseph, and Joseph was clearly his father's favorite. In fact, he gave his son a beautiful coat that he didn't give his other kids. Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams, and he wasn't shy about sharing the information. He would go to his brothers. He had this dream about how his brothers would bow to him one day. And you know, like if your younger brother came up to you to tell you about how you were gonna bow down to him one day, it'd make you extremely excited and happy, right? <laughs> and so he wasn't shy about doing this. They had some family issues. And, and one day, he t- um, Joseph, his father said, Joseph, go check on your brothers during the fields working. And so Joseph went out to see his brothers and they saw Joseph coming. I imagine it was a shiny coat was glaring off the sun or something like that. And so they had this great idea. They saw his brother come and said, hey, you know what? Let's kill him. And you thought your family's had problems, right? And so he must have made him pretty mad. They got to him. Joseph came and they didn't kill him right away. Instead, they threw him in a well. And so they do what anybody does after you take someone prisoner They went out to eat, and as they're eating, their brother's in a well, an abandoned well. They said, you know what? How about we don't kill them? Let's sell them to the slave traders instead. We can make some money. There's no sense doing that. And so they did. They sold their brother into slavery. They took that fancy coat their dad gave them, tore it up, dipped it in blood, took it home to dad and said, hey, your son's been killed. Talk about a bad rap. I mean, we've all irritated our brothers and sisters, but they wanted to kill you, but instead they sold you as a slave. And I'm sure if the story continued and said, hey, and Joseph had a miserable life. Joseph was mad. Joseph was angry. Would anybody blame him? Like, well, of course, not a whole lot less has happened to me, and I still can't get over it. But not Joseph. You see, Joseph knew God was doing something. 
You see, as a slave, he was taken to one of Pharaoh's officials. And look what it says. Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, this is while he's a slave. It said, the Lord was with Joseph so that he had prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had gave him success in everything he did. So look at this. It says that as a slave, he prospered and was successful. How many of us would ever use the words prosperous and successful as a slave? We may want to redefine some terms. We think of prosperous of getting what we want, having a lot. We think of successful as achieving our goals. I promise you Joseph's goal was never to be a slave. But yet, it says that the Lord was with him. He prospered. And so, as he's a slave, he got moved up into leadership. He's in charge of the house. Potiphar's wife, which was his owner's wife, saw Joseph and said, hmm, handsome looking fella. And so she kept trying to sleep with Joseph. She wanted a relationship with him. And one day she grabbed Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph ran out of the house, leaving his coat behind. He said, no, I'm not having any part of this. And so she decided to do what? Lie. She said, well, he tried to force himself for me. I mean, here's a guy who went from being his dad's favorite to a slave, now being falsely accused of trying to force himself on somebody. And Potiphar does what any husband would do. He threw him in jail. And look at what it says, Genesis 39. It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. If we didn't think Joseph had it bad before, now he definitely does. But it says the Lord was what? With him. We can't miss this. I can see him asking, I bet you would be asking, God, where are you? He says, I'm right here, Joseph. Yeah, but I don't understand. Yeah, but you don't have to. I do. You see, it's times like this when the uncertainty and we're going, hey, what's going on? We have to. We have to cling to passages like Isaiah 55, 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. You see, God had something in store for Joseph that he didn't know. And I believe God has something in store for each of us that we just can't always see. But instead of giving up, he worked hard. He stayed faithful. In verse 22, Genesis 39, 22 says, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those that held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. So now he's the top prisoner. He went from dad's favorite to the employee of the month as a slave to now the employee of the month as a prisoner. And while he's in prison, he meets these two guys that were close to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was having some shakeups. He didn't know what was happening threw two people in jail. You probably remember this. Both of them had dreams. Joseph, being a gifting that he has, he interpreted the dreams. He told one of them, not gonna pan so well out for you. Not gonna work out good. The other one, things are gonna go good. And by the way, when things go good for you, remember me. Remember I did this. Remember I did this for you. And so it's at this part of the story, we're like, okay, he meets someone, he gets some connection, surely things are going to go his way now. Surely things are going to get better. Genesis 40, 23, 
But the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Look at this. Verse 40, Genesis 41.1. It says, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Most of you know what happens next, but it took two full years sitting in prison. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're in a bad situation. Maybe you're in a situation you didn't create and you don't feel like God's there with you, like God's not using me. He must abandon me. He doesn't know what's going on. But what from I gather from the life of Joseph and when you're in these hard places and you gotta face tough circumstances, it just means God has something great in store for you. And so Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. And the cupbearer, he says, hey, I remember Joseph. When I was in prison, he did it for me too. And so Pharaoh called Joseph, brought him in. Joseph had to shave, had to clean up. Genesis 41, 16 says, hey, Pharaoh says, hey, can, can you interpret this for me? And Joseph says, I cannot do it. Probably wouldn't be the first words that come to my mouth to Pharaoh. He said, but God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now stop here, listen. After he got thrown into slavery, after he was accused of rape, after he'd been thrown into prison and sat there for years to rot, he still had faith in God. How many of us have abandoned him for far less? Walked away for far, far, far smaller circumstances. But God uses them. He interprets the dream, and Pharaoh is so grateful, he puts Joseph in second command of all of Egypt. He went from being a slave to deputy Pharaoh. God had so many amazing things in store for Joseph. And you may say, yeah, but Brian, look how it turned out. Of course that was easy. Yeah, but Joseph didn't know any of that. Joseph wasn't aware of it. He didn't know this while he was a slave. He didn't know this while he was a prisoner. He didn't know what God had in store for him. Listen, he had to mop the dirty floors. He had to sit in the prison cells with the prisoners. He had to socialize with the worst of the worst. He had to smell them. What do you think a prisoner smelt like 4,000 years ago? For years. But what we learn is he still worked hard. He still stayed faithful. And what we learn is you cannot always control your circumstances, and you know that. But you can control your character. He didn't deserve anything that was happening, yet he stayed faithful. He didn't allow his situation to derail his character. How many of us have let our, the situations that happen derail our characters and our testimonies for the Lord? Joseph could have threw in the town and none of us would have blamed him. We would have said, hey, we get it. We get it. I would have done the same thing. And when we're unsure and we're don't know and, and we're struggling in life, we could just reply like Joseph, hey, I can't do it, but. But God can. See, the Apostle Paul is a guy we read about in the New Testament. He knew all about suffering and hardships. We'll hear his story later on. He says in Romans 5, 3, verse 4, he says, but we also glory in our sufferings. I don't know about you, but how many of you glory in your suffering? Like, you yeah, know, that's not, that's not the natural reaction. You, glory can also mean rejoice. 
We're like, we know it doesn't come natural, but Paul's like, no, no, but listen, here's why. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so we're in the midst of this uncertainty and the hardships and the things that happen, not that we've created, that happen to us. Paul says, no, no, view it as joy because God's gonna do a work in you as a believer. There's something else going on. He's gonna develop you. And he says, persevere through it. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't walk away. Keep moving forward. He says, because in this, our character will be built. We're gonna grow and learn. Instead of putting your hope in the situation, he says, you put your hope in God and know that all things are gonna work for the good of those who have been called for his purpose. Bill Mounts, New Testament scholar says, Christian suffering is the source of joy because its purpose is to build character in the believer. You say, well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Like, I don't, I don't wanna go through that. That's, I'm not interested. But that's how it happens. You can't always control your circumstances, but you can control your character. You can't always control who your boss is, but you can control what you say and how you treat them. You can't control other people's actions. Do you already know that? But you can, uh, excuse me, you can control yours. Just because you don't like what they're doing or what they're saying doesn't mean you have to get even. You can't always be in control of what you're asked to do at work, but you can control how you do it. Apostle Paul tells us, whatever we do, do it for the glory of whom? Yeah, not ourselves, for God. You can't always control what people say about you, but you can control what you say about them. You can't control where God places you, but you can control what you do when you get there. And so how about you? We think of character. I mean, there's so many different things that build our character. There's so many different traits, and I'm sure all of us could say, well, there's a bunch of different things I need to work on. What I want you to think about is what is that trait that is stopping you from being all that God's called you to be? Or what is that trait that's stopping you from being that leader that God wants you to be? What is that thing that keeps getting in the way? What is that one area that keeps coming back that you're not growing in, that you're not developing, that's really stopping you? And you know what it is if you think about it. I mean, the different traits we could discuss, all of us have our own things we need to work through, but is it generosity? Are you reliable? I mean, can people count on you? When things get tough, do you quit? Do you have integrity? Do you do, do you do the right thing when nobody else is looking? Do you have perseverance, which is even when it gets hard, do you continue and finish what you said you were gonna do? How about this, are you flexible? Does it have to be your way or the highway? You know people like that? Don't nudge your spouse, okay? Don't. Do you have self, self-control? Or when things get harder, things happen you don't like, do you justify why it's okay to lash out at people? How about patience? How about faithfulness? How about courage? And here's the thing about these different character traits. Stop praying for them. Because God's just not gonna sprinkle you with magic dust and all of a sudden you're gonna be like, whoo, now I got the patience I always wanted. How do you develop them? By putting them into practice when you don't want to. When it gets hard, when it gets difficult, you keep moving forward. 
Say, wow, this one area, man, I really want to run this guy off the road, but I'm going to work on patience today. Let me back off the gas. For me, for God to truly use me, I had to learn submission. Anybody ever thought of that as a character trait that's needed? I had a bad, listen, a bad problem with authority growing up. Very bad. I was in trouble all the time. I got in fights all the time. The best thing for me was the military. I learned submission. For one, I had to. Like it wasn't a choice. But, but you can fake things for a while. But I really learned that submission is a good thing. See, see what I learned there was great leadership always looks out for the people under them. It's something I never witnessed before. I never saw people invest in me and actually care about me. Usually, and maybe you've seen this, I've worked at places where you were there to serve your boss. But I learned in the military, the people over you are there for you. And they're developing, and it blew my mind. And I learned that great leaders want me to submit to their authority because they have my best interest in mind. And I know it's something I can only learn in the military, but I learned that they're trying to, they want me to submit to them because they are literally, not, not figuratively, literally trying to save my life. And I said, oh, I get it now. They're trying to help me. They're not just trying to tell me what to do. They're trying to develop me. I learned that being submissive wasn't a weak thing. It was a respect thing. It was a smart thing. And it was for my best interest. You see, what I learned, I mean, this is me. This is what I had to work on. What I learned that being submissive is how you learn. Go figure. In order for someone to teach you, you gotta submit to their teaching. I mean, I know. You're like, of course, Brian, that's common knowledge. It wasn't for me. And see, once I learned submission, God surrounded me with the best mentors I could have ever asked for. Godly men who developed me, who poured their life into me, just to see my faith grow, just to help me move forward. I got to be a part of leadership programs I would have never been able to be a part of if it wasn't for that. But I would have never been able to do any of this if I was that punk kid with a chip on his shoulder thinking everybody was out to get me. That was me. You see, what I learned was great leaders, one who invest in others, but they're not gonna waste their time. So for me, I had to develop submission and learn that it's a good thing. So how about you? Character is one of those things you can't fake. When things get hard, when things get stressful, oh, the bad stuff comes out quick, doesn't it? Character is one of those things that you can't fake when things get hard. When times get hard, does your character crumble? Do you revert back to what used to be? And what if we allow Joseph's story to change our perspective about hardships and difficulties? I mean, what if? What if we stop thinking what was happening was punishment or somebody's done something to us and we just realize that God is using it to build us up, that there's something better ahead? You see, Joseph had no idea what God had in store and he did his best. He found joy in God. And listen, you have no idea what God has in store for you. You have no idea what he may call you to. Because I believe he's still calling people and using people to show favor and asking them to do great things for his name. And what if we stopped trying to figure out how to get out of something and started figuring out how we can persevere in the midst of it and learning that he's gonna 
produce something in us and, and make us stronger and better prepared for what lies ahead. I got a ton of military stories today. I don't know why it happens sometimes. But I remember our drill sergeants telling us the quickest way out of basic training is to graduate. Not everybody believed them. People didn't want to be there. And they said, you know what? I'm going to do bad things. I'm not going to listen. I'm going to pretend I'm hurt. Everybody who did stuff like that was held months after we left. See, they don't care. You see, the quickest way to get out was to persevere. You can come out through the military more disciplined and better shape with new skills and be able to wear this badge of honor and feel prideful saying you've done something that other people won't. And the quickest way for you to get through the perseverance or suffering or the hardship is to stay faithful. Allow your character to be built. Come out on the other side stronger than ever. And what if instead of running or backing down, when things got hard, we pressed forward, we persevered and stayed faithful? Too many of us quit and run when it gets hard. We lack the courage to stay faithful. Listen, in order to be courageous, what do you got to have? Fear. If you're not fearful, you can't be courageous. But fear scares us all. It's not just you, it's all of us. But even when you're scared, even when you're nervous, it takes the courage to persevere and continue on. And so what if we just stopped asking, how can I get out of this? We changed our perspective and said, well, what can I get out of this? What is God doing? What is God moving? How can I grow? You see, the true test, I believe, for Joseph when he finally encountered his brothers again, there was a great famine in the land, Egypt, where he was second in command because of the dream Pharaoh had. They were able to store up all the good crops when things got hard. Seven years, they just saved it all up. And then the seven years of famine, well, no one else had any food. So they would come to Egypt to buy food and grain, which made them rich. And eventually, Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to get some food. They went and encountered Joseph, but they didn't know that was Joseph. Brothers are standing in front of their brother and didn't know, but Joseph knew who they were. Joseph played some pretty sneaky tricks on them. You probably would have too. I would have for sure. But eventually he revealed himself. They were scared. They were nervous because they sold their brother into slavery, but now he has a tremendous amount of power. Joseph could not only determine if they ate, but he could determine if they lived. They've thrown him in a well. He's been a slave, accused of rape, thrown into prison for rot for years. Talk about a chip on your shoulder. But he says this, Genesis 45. He reveals himself and says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me because it is, was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five, there will be no plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. God had something in store. Maybe he could have got me here a different way. I probably would have preferred getting here a different way. But God had something in store. 
What if we kept the perspective that God hasn't left us, he hasn't abandoned us, and he's right there with us. All we gotta do is keep going forward. Just keep persevering and allow him to do a great work. We may not understand it. We could say, but God has something in mind. See, Joseph knew. God sent me here to save you guys. Look at what's happening now. God sent me here to save you. Joseph knew that this whole, that whatever he went through was worth the next generation. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we go through things and we can't see how it will bless our life. You ever thought that maybe what you're going through is to bless the next generation? Maybe you won't see any good stuff, but what you're going through will allow your kids, your grandkids to be set up or not go through what you go through. Joseph was finally reunited with his brothers and his father. But then his father died, as you know. And it says, Genesis 50, when Joseph's brother saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They were scared. Dad's gone. He might kill us now. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. She can't fake character. Nobody else was looking. His dad wasn't there, but he kept it and he forgave him. And not only was he able to be a great leader, he was able to restore the brokenness in his family. And some of you are missing that. It's great to be courageous at work. It's great to have boldness and great character when, you know, at work when everybody's looking at you. But do you have the character and the courage to restore that brokenness in your family? Some of you, that's the one thing you don't have a handle on that you need to have some courage with. And whatever you're going through, whatever someone did to you, they can't mess up God's plans. Please know that. You may have to go through some hardships. You may have to endure things you don't want to. I promise I understand but you can come out on the other side stronger than ever. You may not always understand why God has you there, but he does. He's building you and growing you for something much better. Don't let your past define your God-ordained future. Trust in him because you can't always control your circumstances, but you can control your character. So start building. Watch what he does. And so for you to think about what's that thing, that area that's stopping you? Because I honestly believe the thing that gets in our way the most of doing all that God's called us to do is ourselves. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's, thank you so much for your word and, and the stories of Joseph and God, all of us want a good life. We all want great things to happen. We want to go through life without suffering, without hardships. But we thank you for the reminder of your word this morning that it's in the midst of those that you are still with us. It's in the midst of those that you're building something in us. You're teaching us something we cannot learn any other way. Father, help us change the perspective of what we're dealing with and what we're going through. Help us remember that you're always there with us. You've never abandoned us and you won't start now. 
But Father, in those difficult times, in those unfair situations, we just ask that you comfort us, that you remind us that you're there, that you speak to us, that you guide us, and you help us see what lies ahead. You are a great God, and we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for being personable. We thank you for wanting a relationship with us. We thank you for Jesus. God, as we think through our character and we think through the different areas that we need to build, the different areas that are holding us back, the character traits that we lack, Lord, I pray you reveal us to us. You, you reveal those to us. Lord, I pray that we start the repentant process, that we identify what it is, and the next time we need to initiate that trait, we do it. Maybe it's while we're driving. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's what we watch on TV. Maybe it's what we look at on the computer when nobody else is around. Maybe it's what we say when others aren't around. Whatever that trait is, whatever that thing we need to develop, Lord, bring it to our minds and our hearts. And through your spirit, allow us to be all that you've asked us to be for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now's the time where we're going to sing one last praise back to God, one last song for the day. It's the time that we just ask you to have some self-reflection and prayer. I know today can be challenging. It can be comforting. It just depends on what you got going on. We just ask you to deal with whatever that is. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life. So if you need to pray, I'll be up here. Maybe you want to pray where you're at. You don't have to come forward to do that. We just ask you to deal with whatever it is in your life before you leave here this morning. Will you stand?